You are listening to the podcast of the Y Church of the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. We are in 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Carol. Well, I'm not sure if you saw that picture of the kids at Camp Shamanah, but Pastor Bjorn is with them this weekend. He's in that picture, too. And so he asked me to share the message with you today. And then after I accepted, he said, you know, it's really a challenging text, Katie. And I do know Bjorn to be an honest man, so, but it really is my joy and my privilege to share God's word with you today. If I don't know you yet, I am Katie Vick, and I am the kids' ministry director here. When our oldest son was 13, he received this book in his Christmas stocking. It's called How to Be a Person, 65 Hugely Useful, Super Important Skills to Learn Before You're Grown Up. And it has all sorts of tips like how to have a conversation, how to load the dishwasher, how to tie a necktie, or how to answer the phone. And it even has some pop 
quizzes to check for progress in understanding, I suppose. So like this one, this is at the end of this lesson called How to Be a Welcome Guest. And it says, you're eating dinner at a friend's house and you knock your cup over, spilling milk all over the place. So what do you do? A, scream and run out of the room. B, laugh milk out of your nose. C, wait for the robot maid to roll in and clean it up. Or D, say, I'm so sorry, is there a dish towel that I can use to clean up? Now, the giver of this gift must have felt that these were very important skills for our son. But this book isn't going to grow him up completely, is it? Can you imagine if the skills in this book were really all that's needed to grow up. As Peter illustrates in our text today, Jesus' followers are to be people who never stop growing. Today, we are actually beginning a new sermon series in Second Peter. This series is called Great and Precious Promises. Now, before we dive further into our verses for today, I'd like to just give a brief overview of 2 Peter. It's the second of Paul's letters called epistles that he had written. There are only three chapters in this book, and each serves its own purpose. Next week, Bjorn will lead us in chapter 2, and it's a warning about false teaching Because not everything that we hear or read is biblically true. And then in chapter 3, we will see that Peter encourages believers about the return of Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the church. And today, chapter 1, this serves as a reminder. So as we delve into today's verses we will see that Peter is reminding believers to grow in their relationship with the Lord. As I've already said, Peter is a disciple of Jesus, and he wrote this letter. But I'd like to start by kind of reviewing what we do know about Peter. We know that Peter was a fisherman. He was the only disciple that we know was married. He was also part of Jesus' inner circle. He was among only two other disciples, James and John, who witnessed Jesus' transfiguration on the mountain. Peter is the one who cut off a man's ear in an attempt to protect Jesus, and yet he couldn't stay awake for Jesus while he went to pray. Peter walked on water toward Jesus, and he denied Jesus three times after having boasted that he would never forsake him, even if others did. And Peter was the first disciple to confess Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, among these examples, we also see that Peter had leadership qualities. He was eager to learn from Jesus. He was tenacious and bold, And he grew to be an incredibly gifted preacher. I encourage you to go to the first four chapters in the book of Acts to read about that. But Peter was also a bit of a loose cannon. 
He wasn't always thinking before speaking or acting. And Jesus needed to correct him over and over. Part of the reason that I have loved diving into this chapter is because Peter was chosen to author it. Because Peter knew very well what growing pains feel like. He was very well acquainted with transformation. So let's get into our Bibles now. Would you look with me, please, at Peter's greeting, which is verses 1 and 2. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. I just love how Peter has introduced himself. Simon was his Hebrew name. And in using this name, he is owning his Jewish heritage. Peter is the name given to him by Jesus. At the start of this letter, Peter is already identifying himself as both Jewish and as a believer in Jesus, the Messiah. He also calls himself a servant and then an apostle. The order in which he introduces himself is important. He first recognizes himself as a humble bondservant or slave to his master, Jesus Christ, and then as an apostle with authority. Now, it's important that we understand the proper use of this term slave in this context. In Greek, the word is doulos. And in this context, Peter is saying that he has given himself to Christ's will to advance and extend Christ's call. Peter is writing to the Gentile churches of Rome. Now, Gentiles are people who are not Jewish. It's believed that he wrote this letter during the time of the Roman emperor Nero. Nero was organizing the persecution of Christ followers, and Peter knew that he was going to die soon. So this letter served as a final farewell to fellow believers. Now we're going to get into the meat of this letter. Now remember, Peter's purpose in this chapter is to remind the believers that they are to never stop growing spiritually. We can grow as much as we want to grow because believers have access to God's power. Verses 3 and 4 is a deep treasure chest that says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God's invitation is to share in a life of godliness. He provides for us his power, and notice, very great and precious promises. And we'll come back to those promises in a bit. But first I want us to take note of the word knowledge. In these 11 verses for today, we find this word five times. Go ahead and circle them in your Bible if you'd like to. I often do that. I'll circle repeated words or highlight them because I figure they must be important. 
When I repeat words to my kids, I hope they pay attention. Knowledge in this context is the word epinosis. This kind of knowledge is more than just head knowledge, although head knowledge is part of it. Epinosis is an intersection of head knowledge and a personal encounter. One of the commentators I read said this about epinosis. Biblical writers never divorce the head and the heart in terms of spiritual growth. Grace and peace abound when believers know more about God and come to know God in a deeper way in the crucible of experience. Our God, Jesus Christ, is knowable. While he can't be understood exhaustively, he can be known truly, personally, and sufficiently. Knowledge of God should be our greatest delight. Jeremiah says this, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me. Now circling back to verse 4, we see that God also offers us his very great and precious promises. These are not just good promises or even just great promises. They are very great and they are precious. Why are they so precious? The author of one article that I read illustrated this so clearly using alliteration, so I am borrowing her four S's. The promises are precious because of their source, their size, their sufficiency, and their simplicity. These promises are precious because it is God who makes them. He is the source of these promises. If you're thirsty for water and I give you a spread of options, my backyard pond water, water from my hose, water from my tap, or I just happen to have this fancy German imported, my German son said it's pronounced Gerald Steiner, but I know I sound more Norwegian than German. But this is in a sealed glass bottle, and it says sparkling natural mineral water, high mineral content, perfectly balanced taste. What are you going to choose? It's pretty simple. Oh, and just a little plug, the German missions trip students are using these to put together some special baskets for an upcoming fundraiser. So... You might get in on this. Peter wanted so badly to open this while he was waiting for me to come up here. A promise is only as valuable as the promiser. When God makes a promise, we can be absolutely sure that he will honor his word. Under no circumstance would God ever not be able to keep his promises? We may give or receive many promises in our day-to-day, 
But promises made by people are broken on the regular. God's promises are precious because of their size. This phrase, very great, in verse 4, is the same as exceeding great. God's promises go above and beyond. We measure the size of a promise by the benefit that it gives us. And when we consider the content of God's promises and the great blessings they offer, then we can see how very exceedingly great they really are. He not only provides for our redemption, but for our eternal redemption, Hebrews 9.12. He not only gives us life, but the promise of life to the full, John 10.10. He not only gives us his joy, but joy that is complete, John 15, 11. He not only gives us peace, but the promise of perfect peace, Isaiah 26, 3. He not only promises his forgiveness, but he will remember our sins no more, Jeremiah 31, 34. He not only guarantees heaven, but he promises heaven with him, John 14, 2 and 3. He not only offers us his grace, but he promises that it will be, and here's our next word, sufficient for our every need, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. So did you catch that? They are sufficient for our every need. So what is your need? Are you spiritually hungry? Do you need help making a decision? Are you grieving what is no more or perhaps what never has been? Do you lack wisdom? Do you need encouragement to just keep going? Do you long for a sense of belonging? Do you feel anxious, stressed, out of control even? Are you trying to figure out who you are or even what you believe? Are you emotionally tired and in need of rest? Whatever your need is, God can meet that need in sufficient measure. And finally, God's promises are simple. They are clear They are easy to find, and they are easy to understand. I will be with you. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I have overcome the world. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. God even reveals to us his promises simply by telling us who he is. He is the I am. He is closer than a brother, defender, provider, protector, door, healer, hope, restorer, waymaker, victor, truth, quieter of the storm, shepherd, king, Father, the beginning and the end, 
the bread of life, living water. Charles Spurgeon was an English teacher and a preacher, and he was known as the Prince of Preachers. He said this about God's promises. Here we have promises which are so great that they are not less than infinite and so precious that they are not less than divine. The thing about God's promises, though, is that they need to be claimed. They need to be trusted and believed. This is why Peter says in verse 4 that through them you may participate in the divine nature. To receive this gift of participating in God's divine nature requires a commitment to developing the same character traits that mark God's own divine nature. Peter spells those out for us in verses 5 through 9. It starts with faith, and then we add to that, we supplement our faith with the things of God. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and finally, love. These are the things that need to characterize us and mark our lives and grow in abundance in us. In verse 8, Peter says, in increasing measure. Now, when I look at this list, I am immediately aware of how very patient God is with me. You can see faith is the foundation, and we are to add on goodness. That is the deliberate, firm, and persistent choosing of right over morally wrong. Self-control. Of all these traits, I tend to think that self-control in the Christ follower is perhaps the most telling to the watching world. Perseverance is running the race of faith, which is usually required in very difficult circumstances. Godliness is God-likeness. And another way of saying mutual affection is brotherly kindness. And finally, we have love. Now, this is not a sequential list, nor is it like a pyramid, as if we start with one trait, master it, and move on. We are to always be growing in all of these traits, and the Holy Spirit helps us. Now, back to Johnny's book. 65, hugely useful, super important skills to learn before you're grown up. The giver of this gift, and I think it was my husband Ryan, he loves our son far too much to just leave him with this. Because we also want our kids to grow in these traits that Peter has outlined for us. And actually, as our kids grow up, they sometimes hear us use those very words, I love you too much to argue with you, or I love you too much to take care of this problem for you. They do not love it when we say these things because they don't like how it sometimes feels to have to grow up. Growing up is a process. God's goal for his children is to produce a holy people for himself. 
Sanctification is the word that we use for the process of becoming holy. Essentially, sanctification is growing up. And growing up is often not easy. Sometimes it hurts. It is uncomfortable. And it can be very hard. But it is also joy-filled and good to grow up. Do you remember what it was like learning to drive? Some of you are learning to drive right now, or you soon will be. Or how about teaching your child how to drive? Let me tell you, I have had to exercise self-control in a new way this year, although my son is a very good driver. Learning to drive is a bit of a wobbly process, but becoming more independent and confident, that really brings joy, doesn't it? We have a remarkably generous and loving God. He could rescue us from hell without even inviting us to participate in his divine nature. But he is a keeping God. And he loves us too much to not ask us to keep ourselves in right relationship with him. He wants us to know him personally. He wants us to claim his promises. And he wants us to develop a taste for his divine nature. And so I ask you this today. Are you growing up? Or are you just growing older? Will you pray with me, please? We praise you, God, as our promise maker and our promise keeper. And we praise you as our very gracious Father. Thank you for this good and true word today. We confess that our human nature often shows up sideways. We ask, Lord, that your spirit teach us and guide us in all of your ways. Help us to claim and stand on your promises. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.